0: You do some tweets that seem to be conspiracy theories.
1: Some of these conspiracy theories uh, have turned out to be true the Hunter Biden laptop Twitter and others engaged in active suppression of information that was relevant to the public. You tweeted this thing about George Soros. Russ. He said he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization and Soros hates humanity. Do you yeah, think I think about... that's true. That's my opinion. But why share it? Freedom of speech. I'm allowed to say what I want. You
0: absolutely are, but I'm trying to understand why you do because you have to know it's got a the partisan divide in the country. It makes you a, a lightning rod for criticism. There's a
1: scene in the Princess Bride. He confronts the person who killed his father and he says Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. I'll say what I want to say, and if the consequence of that is losing money, so be...
2: How you doing, people? I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's November 30th, 2023. Can you guys believe tomorrow is December? It is December? Sweet. Jesus This Year Went By Fast. We are live streaming on Rumble on Locals and on YouTube. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell if you have not. And as always, there is a post-game show where you can ask me questions, you can offer up your own thoughts, you can correct me, you can needle and poke me, whatever you'd like to do at rubinreport.locals.com. And our cold open today of Elon Musk, you may remember that clip uh, from a couple months back, uh, but that really is going to set us up for today's show. We're doing a, a community Q&A, but I want to Sort of open up with a couple of stories related to Elon because he was uh, doing a live CNBC event yesterday uh, with this guy Andrew Sorkin, and he just absolutely unleashed. I think the the inner tiger of this guy has fully come out. Uh, you know, he's very soft-spoken for the most part. I've spent a little time with him. He's thoughtful. He's kind of he's kind of soft. I think he sort of runs cool, actually. Maybe not in his, his business decisions, but I think his temperament as a human being is kind of cool. But in light of everything that has happened with him in the last year and a half, where before that he was a darling of the left and he was helping with green energy and electric cars and he was a good liberal and all of those things and how they have subsequently treated him in this last year and a half since he got X started allowing for more, free speech and of course in the last two weeks is suddenly being called the number one anti-Semite in the world while you know the lefties celebrate Hamas. I think he has just about had it. So let's just dive into clip number one. So here he is at this uh, CNBC event uh, and he's asked about uh, what he's gonna do about the advertisers who are now trying to blackmail X, basically all of these companies that are saying, hey, if you allow anti-Semitism, if you allow hate and racism, on the Twitter, well, what will you do?
0: obviously, you know that there's a public perception that, and, and you're clarifying this now. Um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That were, this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise. No. What do you mean?
1: If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob. If you're in the audience.
2: You know what's funny? You know how on this show, occasionally I do drop the F-bomb and I try to control it and sometimes I can't, sometimes... Connor's fingers a little bit like this because he's trying to bleep things. That's what they've pushed him to. Does that strike you as the Elon Musk that we all know that I've shown you a zillion clips of, of calmly explaining things, talking about his belief in free speech, talking about why he thinks that, I don't know, say getting information out to people is an important thing, et cetera, et cetera. They pushed him into this. Also the way that Andrew Sorkin asked the question, people are saying the public perception is this. No one in their right mind thinks or ever thought that Elon Musk is an anti-Semite. These people find racism everywhere except where it actually is. Uh, We were able to come up with a alternative view of the exact same clip. This is going to blow your mind. Watch this one.
0: There's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. Stop. You don't want them to advertise. No. If somebody's gonna to try to blackmail me
1: with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. Go f*** yourself.
0: Hey,
2: There's the internet for you. I have no doubt that some people at Media Matters are watching this right now going, Dave Rubin's sharing misinformation, somebody, blah, blah, blah. Um, Elon continued because, you know, he bought this thing for $44 billion, a company that certainly was not worth that. And well, not only was it not worth that, it's been purging money. It was purging money before him and it's been purging less money, we think, since him. And he also fired half the company and everything else. But it unfortunately is on the road to bankruptcy because you can only purge money for so long, even when the richest man in the world owns you. Uh, so he was asked about that.
0: Well, let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't about, advertise. How do you think then about the economics of, of X? If, 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 if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising. Um, if, if you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who uh, have this view, G- what do you do? F why I I understand that, but there's a reality too, (laughs) right? Yes. No. No.
1: I I mean, Linda Iacorino's right here, and she's got to sell advertising. Absolutely. So, um, no, no, totally. totally. So, so, no, no. Actually, what what this advertising boycott is uh, is is going to do is it's going to kill the company. And you think that that? But, and the whole world will know. That those advertisers killed the company and we will document it in great detail but
0: there are those advertisers i imagine are going to say they're going to say we didn't kill the company oh yeah they're going to say tell it to earth but they're going to say that they're going to say elon that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform right let's that's see, that's and, what and they're going to say and let's see how earth responds to that
2: that, that is so good. It is so right. First, you know, I also want to note, I, I talked about his temperament and he runs kind of cool. You know, even the way Elon speaks, he he's kind of stammers a little bit and you can see that he's thinking things through and it, almost as if his brain is working a little faster than his mouth. So when they push him to the fu, when they push him to that, you have to understand something has shifted with him. I am telling you, mark my words, that clip, what you just saw right there, I think he just drew his line in the sand, period. He just said, basically, you, you, can't, you can't buy me out, right? You can't threaten me with money. So if ultimately this company fails because even I can't lose hundreds of millions or billions of dollars a year, everyone will know, tell it to earth, you MFers did this. And you know, there's a certain irony. I don't know much about this Andrew Sorkin guy, but you know, he works, I guess, for the New York Times, or at least in partnership with the New York Times and CNBC, because that's what was behind his head over there. The New York Times lies about everything. The New York Times has shared far more actual anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and pushed more BLM, BS, and lied about vaccines and everything that the New York Times does. But that guy is the temerity to sit there and, and make it seem like Elon Musk is the bigot, which is a perfect segue to our next segment because uh, then he asked Elon, or Elon just sort of pontificated on something that I think we all see. It's the fake good guys, right? It's the virtue signalers who pretend they are good while doing all of the wrong things.
1: Tesla currently sells uh, two, twice as much uh, in terms of electric vehicles as the rest of uh, electric car makers in, in the United States combined. Tesla has done more to help the environment than uh, all other companies combined. Uh, it would be fair to say that, therefore, as a leader of the company, I've done more for the environment than everyone else, a- a- any single human on Earth. How do you feel about that?
0: No, I, but- no, how do personal. I feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm asking you personally how you feel about that because this goes... We we're talking about power and influence and... and I'm saying, I'm saying what, I, what I care about is the, the reality of goodness,
1: not the perception of it. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. them.
2: Okay? Do you see how they could push a good man into starting to seem like he's the crazy guy? Now, I don't think he's the crazy guy. I don't think you think he's the crazy guy, but you can see it, right? Here he is saying, hey, I've done more for the environment. He's not saying it to pat himself on the back. What a great line. I believe in the reality of goodness, not the perception of goodness. That's what virtue signaling is, right? Everyone virtue signals about how wonderful they are and all the things that they do and everyone else is bad and they're so good. Here's a guy actually doing good. He has done good with Tesla. I can tell you this, you know, we have two Teslas, okay? We have two Teslas. And even if Tesla was doing jack shit for the environment, the cars are awesome. Everyone that gets in my car that's never been in a Tesla is like, this is the coolest freaking thing ever. They drive beautifully. They're the safest car on the road. Everything else, putting aside any of the environmental stuff. He'd also like to make a buck while doing some good for the world. And not only is he doing good for this world, he is literally trying to get it so that there will be interplanetary life, which ultimately we will need because this planet is most likely gonna burn, right? Like that is sort of where it's all heading. And by the way, it's not gonna burn because of climate change, it's gonna be burning because of all the lunatics who are gladly setting ablaze all of the the goodness that humans have worked on over thousands and thousands of years. So the reality of goodness over the perception of goodness Dare I say there's a little bit, this is gonna sound like really lofty, lofty, but there's a little bit of like a Jesus quality there, right, like there really is. He's trying to do good, and what is the system doing to him, right? Christmas is coming, that is kind of the story of Jesus, right? Here, a good person in a bad time is suddenly thought of as the bad guy. And actually, I'm on it with the segues today, that's a perfect segue because uh, last night, speaking of bad people virtue signaling, so they do not do good things, they pretend to do good things, but they're usually doing evil things, unlike Elon Musk. Uh, There was a, quote, flood the tree lighting for Gaza protest slash riot outside of Fox News headquarters and the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center, the famous Christmas tree, that is beloved by New Yorkers of all religions and stripes and walks of life. I used to go there growing up. We would take trips into into New York City to see the Christmas tree. Uh, Here's some video of the protest at the tree last night. All right, let's not even bother with Fox News here. Fox News happens to be there. This was about the tree. They called it flood the tree lighting. So it's, you know, as somebody has said on Twitter, it's now getting uh, quoted all over the place. I don't know who came up with the line originally. Maybe we can find it. Is they come for the Saturday people first and then they go for the Sunday people. And that's what's happening here. I've said it all along. If you think this ends with the Jews, they they are, imagine if this was any other situation, right? Imagine if this was during Ramadan and a bunch of masked Christians and Jews with crazy signs and everything else were protesting at a mosque, right? How would the reaction be? But I'm seeing a lot of quietness from people who would usually be outraged because people don't know what to do about this. And by the way, it was a riot. It was not peaceful. And yes, there were calls for genocide and there were swastikas out there and more. Uh, Here's just a little bit of uh, one of the brawls with the New York police officers who, by the way, although many of them, um, they don't, they seemingly don't do their job. I have a lot of sympathy for whoever's left and it's an unwinnable, untenable situation because they have a horrible mayor and they are being told to stand down all the time. So occasionally they get into situations like this. I have simply no doubt that guy that was res- resisting arrest or fighting with the cops is not in jail right now. Like, there's just no—I have no evidence. We checked this morning that anyone got arrested there. Now I want to just show you one more, because if you think that they are not brazenly abusing whatever laws—I mean, they're not even laws anymore. So if no one—if no one behaves like they're laws, then they're not laws in these blue uh, these blue cities. Uh, but I want to show you one more. Check check this one out. Tell me if this behavior is legal. I, I'm not a legal expert. Maybe we could get someone online. But tell me if this seems like you know this should be allowed in a in a functioning society. That is a police officer's hat, a member of the NYPD, once the most respected police department, quite literally in the world, that was stolen from him, maybe maybe it fell off, but in essence stolen, it might might have fallen off in a melee, but stolen from him, lit on fire, uh, and then a guy dressed like a cobra soldier, and cobra were the bad guys in GI Joe, uh, then brought it out to the middle of the street and dropped it there and then of course all the you know the, the mob of uh, reporters and uh, reporters, I don't know what they are, these people that just come around and film everything. So there's several laws that were broken there. Nobody will do anything about it and I tweeted it out right before the show. This is a good litmus test for New York City and for Eric Adams and the New York Police Department. Someone can identify that guy. If you cannot at least arrest that guy, then I, I truly mean this with, with no sarcasm or hyperbole or anything else. Then, if you are a sane person, you must leave New York City now. No one is coming to help you, and I know. And I know this is true. They're, they're not going to arrest this guy. You must leave New York City now. There is no store that they will not ransack. There is no, there is no church, nor nor Christmas tree that they will not desecrate. Forget the temples and everything else, or Jewish-owned shops. That's all obvious. Uh, it's all on. It's all on. And remember, those are the people that are pretending to be the good guys. So now I wanna jump back to Elon Musk for a second, because when he's talking about the virtue signalers, the people uh, who want to perceive themselves to be good, rather than the reality of actually being good, one of the things that the left has done over the last couple of years uh, is made it seem like it's always the people on the right that are coming after your free speech. But if we've learned anything, it's that the left and the wokesters and all of the big tech people, those are the ones, the Democrats, the lefties, who are actually coming for your free speech.
1: Take a look. The Democrats appear to be more pro-censorship than the Republicans. I mean, that used to be the opposite. It used to be, you know, the left position was freedom of speech. Um, you know, uh, I believe at one point, um, the ACLU even defended the right of someone to claim that they were Nazi or something like that, you know, so like there were there really were uh, like the left was freedom of speech is, is, is fundamental um, and uh, I mean my perception, perhaps it isn't accurate, is that um, the pro censorship is more on the left than, than the right.
2: I really can't get over this thing about the way he speaks and how he's giving the other side every benefit of the doubt. My perception, maybe it's not correct. No, your perception is correct. And actually the first time that I met with Elon at uh, Twitter in San Francisco, we talked about a few things about my account and that sort of stuff, but the part where he was most engaged in the conversation, like locked in, bang, like that, was when we started talking about, oh, I, me, was one of the people that like left the left publicly and why I left the left, and I didn't leave liberalism, liberalism left me, and he posted a meme eventually showing how he stayed the same, but it's the left that went bananas. He, he fully gets it. The same way you get it, he gets it, and you can see the way that he is being treated by the system. I just wanna show you one more clip of the interview because then uh, Sorkin basically asked him who he would vote for, and I think this was sort of interesting.
1: I would not vote for Biden. You'd vote for Trump. I'm not saying I'd vote for Trump, but I mean, this is, this is definitely a difficult choice. Yeah,
0: you know. <laughs> would, would you uh, would you vote for Nikki Haley? Nikki Haley, by the way, wants uh, all social media um, names to be exposed. As you know. No, I think that's outrageous. Yeah, no, I, we, we, I, I'm not going to vote for some pro
1: censorship candidate.
2: All right, I'll do them backwards. So the Nikki Haley one with him, um, it's it's like a complete deal breaker, right? You're not gonna tell a guy who bought a giant tech company purging money that they can't have anonymous users. There are issues with anonymous users. There's issues with trolls and bots and all that stuff. He's done a lot with bots to eliminate bots, by the way. Um, but it's getting harder and harder because AI is getting smarter. So bots in the old old days would just have copy and paste comments and computers were just, you know, tweeting things out repetitively. Bots are getting much smarter. They can put your name in it. They can change the language, but he has done more about that. But obviously he's not gonna vote for Nikki Haley. Like the very idea of that one is just, okay, so that one's out of the way. Uh, Then he said, uh, Trump, he's not sure. I, my suspicion is he, if it ends up being Biden or Trump and he's brave enough to say who he will vote for, I think he would vote for Trump. But him being so sort of hands-off on, on whether he could support Trump or not, I think shows you the bigger problem with Trump in general, that all of these people who have so had it with the Democrats, there is still a mass aversion to Trump. And you may not agree with that mass aversion and you might think it's misguided or whatever, but it is real. It is all of the people, the people that are waking up right now to all of the lunacy of the left, who previously maybe even had Trump derangement syndrome, and I'm not accusing Elon of that, They are not going to vote for Trump. There might be somebody else they would vote for, and I'll get to him in just a second. And then uh, first he said that he will not vote for Biden. And I think there's every reason not to vote for Joe Biden. There's no reason to think that Joe Biden's actually the president of the United States. He is too old, he has dementia. This is really just a a Barack Obama third term right now and fourth term upcoming. The Middle East is on fire. Elon knows a little something about economics, uh, which have very little to do with Bidenomics. You get all that. So unfortunately, Sorkin did not ask about Ron DeSantis, and I think Elon Musk would vote for Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis launched his campaign in a Twitter Spaces with Elon Musk. I don't know one policy that Ron DeSantis has that uh, uh, that, that Ron DeSantis has that Elon Musk would not support. Maybe a, maybe the abortion thing is a little bit much, but the president doesn't have that much to do with abortion at this point. Now that it's been kicked back to the states, so I would have loved to have heard him. Uh, ask that, and I would have loved to have heard Elon's response to that, so, uh, and I think, you know, I guess if you wanna just mention Vivek very quickly, I don't think Elon likes Vivek, actually, because uh, Vivek thinks that climate change is a hoax, and I don't think that's the position of Elon Musk, just relative to what he said about who's done more for the climate than Tesla. You know, it was making us think this morning when we were prepping the show, it's like, can you imagine truly, and I guess I'll do more of this over the next month and a half till we get to that first Iowa caucus, but can you imagine if Ron DeSantis was president? Like if he actually was president and we had a president who would say what he was gonna do and who was gonna do what he says, and he was in office and he was doing those things, and there was no sideshow. And I know the left would always, they'll always go apoplectic and they'll figure out ways to go after him and all that. But if the mainstream media, if they, just didn't know what to do with him because it became clear to most people that we had a good, decent, honest man. And then we started doing things right in our country and we started replicating that Florida thing. And then every morning I would go, hello, it's February 6th, 2024. This is the Rubin Report. Ron DeSantis is president. I don't have much to say. Join us for a post game show at rubenreport.locals.com Okay, ciao. Wouldn't that be refreshing? I actually think it's possible, we shall see. All right, let's get to a locals community Q&A. Uh, Janzy says, hey Dave, uh, you've mentioned several times that Israel's prime minister will have to step down. I'm not sure I understand why. I think he's done everything that would be expected for a country to defend itself. I personally think he waited too long to retaliate. Well, I think ultimately after this, he has to step down. Now, the question is, what does after this mean? Because this thing is not going away. Hamas is making it very clear, suddenly they're saying, oh, they don't even have all of the hostages. Maybe uh, Islamic Jihad has some and some other groups and they've lost some people. They want to elongate this thing as long as possible. And and part of the problem, you know, Israel's in, a, in a, an unbelievably difficult spot, not just because of the horrific things that happened uh, to their people, and the hostages, but because they they did this pause right now, right? We're in this we're in this temporary ceasefire right now. They're getting their people back. They're getting women and children back. They're not getting men back yet, but they're getting some of their people back, and it's it's allowing the people there to breathe again, right? To see some of their their saved uh, citizens, and this is deeply important, right? And it's very easy for any of us to say, no, you don't you don't negotiate at all. You you just keep attacking. You bub. But it's like, if that was your sister, if that was your mother, you might think a little bit differently. So th- th- these are incredibly difficult things to think about. Um, it's gonna go on for a while. They're gonna have to restart. Like at some point, they'll get a certain amount of people back and then they'll just say, no, we have committed to toppling Hamas and we are going to do that. And by the way, it's what they have to do. This is an existential fight. They have a terrorist group funded by Iran on their borders that that is just saying, even was literally right before I started the show, I saw a tweet from the founder of Hamas basically saying um, this was a a pre-run for the much bigger things that we plan on doing. So you have to destroy them. The issue with Netanyahu, and anyone can argue maybe they waited a few days too long to prepare for the ground war. I mean, they knew there were all these underground tunnels and there could be bombs everywhere and booby traps and and all of this stuff, right? The, The reason he has to step down is because at some point after all of this, you have to get to some kind of national healing. The guy has been on and off prime minister for over 20 years, he's done an unbelievable job. And it's, it's, it's very sad for, I would say the country and for his legacy, that what people will mostly remember him for is the failure here, the security failure here on the 7th. And they'll, they'll figure all of that out. They have incredible technology, they'll figure out exactly what happened and all of that stuff. But I think what the only way the country will be able to heal is he will have to say, this thing did happen under my watch, Thus, it is my fault at the end of the day, um, and then I got you through it, right? We're, we're still here. It was painful. We're still here. However, that long that took, but now I have to step aside, I, and I think he'll do it because I think he loves his nation that much, and I think he would do it without, without a lot of fanfare or anything else. You know, interestingly, I watched um, on the way back from London. I watched the movie Golda, which is about Golda Meir, who was the the prime minister of Israel during the Yom Kippur War in 1973. It was a little difficult to watch actually, because in light of everything that's going on, but I, I, I wanted to watch it. And um, it basically is taking place as post the war. So they've won the war, but they got very close to losing the war. And she's being questioned by all of the authorities on what her role in almost losing the war was and they, why didn't they do anything earlier. You know, and she basically says something to the effect of, you know, when you leave this job, you're pretty, you're pretty much a failure. Like if you leave the job as in this case, prime minister or president in in a place that it is so difficult to survive, like something horrible is gonna happen on your watch. And your, your best hope is that it's a little bit better uh, when you got out than when you got in. And that that's the tough part for Netanyahu right now. Uh, Rachel says, when did you start growing your beard at mustache and would you be willing to throw back to a pick? Without them, so I started this beard. It was, I believe, in August of 2017 when I went off the grid. I just was like, ah, I'm just not going to shave for a month. I think we do have a, a picture from right before that, so that's me right before that. Now I do have to note, you know, I'm a little—I've lost some weight, but I'm a little like bloated in the face there and puffy. Uh, I was on. Some of you remember this. I was on this crazy. I didn't—I I didn't talk about it at the time, but I was on this. crazy crazy experimental medication because I had developed alopecia areata about a year before that. It's an autoimmune disease. They don't know why it comes. It was a horrible, horrible time. I was losing huge chunks of hair, mostly in the back of my head, but on the top too, it was really horrible. And I went on this experimental medication. That basically, the idea of it was you would put something almost like poison ivy. That's the way it was described to me. They put that on your head with the hope that your white blood cells will then attack that the reaction that you're having instead of attacking your hair follicles. So your hair will grow at, back because your white blood cells will then attack. Anyway, it, it was unbelievable. Put that picture back up. Like it was not a, It was not a great time for me, but with the, the promo shot was okay. The, the lighting was nice and everything else. Um, but anyway, I, I just, I like the beard. I think it gives my face a little uh, definition and as I often say, I'm more beard than man now. So the beard, the beard ain't going anywhere, but those are the old days. Anyway, let me get to one ad guys and then we'll continue with the questions. Uh, are you tired of being targeted with phishing emails? Fed up with spam cluttering your inbox? Concerned about companies like Google or the government spying on your private conversations? Then it's time to start switching to Start Start Startmail is a secure alternative to Gmail that lets you send emails like they're in sealed envelopes, making sure your communication stays private and secure. Secure uh, services like Google collect your data and use it for targeted ads. Startmail is strictly an ad-free service that does not collect nor share any data with third parties for advertisement or tracking. Your Startmail account comes with all the features you need including unlimited disposable email addresses to protect your inbox from phishing scams and hacking attempts. Switching to Startmail is super easy if you're worried about your old email stored in Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and all the rest. They've got you covered. Their hassle-free migration tool lets you move your emails and contacts with just a couple clicks. No technical knowledge required. Over the past decade, Startmail has become a trusted name in email privacy. So why wait any longer? Switch to Startmail and experience the peace of mind that comes with a truly secure email service. Sign up today and save 50% on your first year subscription Go to startmail.com slash Dave and join millions of people who are moving away from big tech to secure email providers. That's startmail with a T dot com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, next question. Larry says, we have established that the corporate media have been lying to us about several issues and events. What else are they lying to us about? What do I always say? It's like, I'm not worried about the stuff they're lying to us about, and like the algorithms and all of the tricks. Like, I'm always worried about the things that we don't know about. Like, what are the algorithms? I'm not worried about shadow banning per se. I'm worried about all of the other stuff. The mainstream media, they lie. Like, again, I referenced it earlier, but the New York Times, the the, the gall of Sorkin there to pretend that while he sits with the New York Times logo behind him, pretending that X is somehow a dangerous company and that Elon Musk is somehow a bigot, knowing all of the evil stuff that the New York Times has done just in the last couple of weeks, right, with the Al-Shifa hospital pretending they bombed it and then they had to change their headline three times and it turned out it was actually bombed by Hamas and it also turned out that the picture the New York Times used on the front page wasn't even of the hospital, like that he would have the gall to sit there and and, and pretend that Elon Musk is the bad guy, but I. There is no end to the uh, the bottomless hole that, that is these people and what leftism has become. Um, I don't know, what else are they lying to us about? Honestly, it could be everything at this, I have no freaking idea. But all you can do is try to find sane people and incorporate them into your life and pilfer some goodness out of your existence here and and build something decent, whether that's a family or a business or a home or whatever, and, and try to make some sense of it. That's really the best you can do. Uh, Cheryl says, are you planning to do eight nights of Hanukkah gifts for the boys, or how will you begin? We have five grandsons, and my husband has zero restraint. Got any suggestions for managing that? Man, you got five grandsons, uh, eight nights, that's 40 gifts for grandchildren. That is a lot of gifts. Um, you know, the thing is, we are very, very blessed. We have the things that we want. I, I We don't want more toys here, so my mom, uh, called me earlier in the week and she said, what well, can we get the boys for Hanukkah? And I was like, we don't really want anything. I was like, I don't know, maybe a wooden car. Uh, I don't like, the, my major thing, and these guys can testify to it in my house, I cannot have electronic beeping toys. We have one bus. There is one bus that they can press. It sings the alphabet, A, A, and B, and C. It does it in a weird way like that. D, E, G, D, 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 D. I can't stand that freaking thing. I like wood toys. I like, you know, you could do, I like musical things. That kind of stuff is just fine. I can't have electronic beeping and whirring and all the rest of it. Um so they you know, if for any of you that have kids or if you had young kids, they don't even want the toys. You open up a toy, they want to play with the box. Like we have a drawer in the kitchen on the bottom that they're allowed to open up and I have like I have like ice cube uh, holders, ice cube makers in there, like rubber ice cube makers. And we've got like some measuring cups. Like they like that stuff. So no, there will not be eight nights of toys. We will light the candles every night and I think they'll enjoy that. But uh, no, that is, no, please nobody, don't send us any more gifts. Thank you, thank you. Tamara says, uh, is there any hope for people who cannot leave California? Well, look, California is absolutely massive. There are millions and millions of good people there, obviously, right? I think they say that California has more Republicans than any other state, if I'm not mistaken, because of the giant amount of population. It's just hard to believe. Look, if you live in a big city in Cali, if you live in Los Angeles, San Francisco, even San Jose is a dump, Santa Monica is a dump, um, San Diego's starting to have problems, which is one of the most beautiful cities in the United States, but they're just dumping all of the, the illegal immigrants there. Um, if you live in one of the big cities, it's gonna be tough. We, we have friends that live like an hour outside of Sonoma that are basically off the grid and they're doing fine. They smoke pot all day. They don't know what's going on, but I don't think BLM is gonna show up at their door. Um, I, I don't know what you do if you live in, if you're in Cali for whatever reason, you know, we had a caller on people of the internet yesterday who's still living in Cali and he was basically like, look, my parents are here. And you know, a certain amount of people, you know, it's like if you have elderly parents that have lived their whole life in one place, they might be in a home, like the idea of moving them. You could have other, you know, some uh, child with a medical issue. You could have, everyone has their own circumstances, why they can or can't do things. You You have financial considerations. It's not easy to just up and move as badly as I wanted to get out of Cali. It's not, we had just moved into that house a year before. I thought we were gonna live in that house and raise our kids in that house. And I thought we were gonna live there forever. I did not want to leave that house. Um, I love that house. The guy who built that house, actually, I'm trying to get him to come to to Miami to start building houses here because he's selling houses in LA and he can't sell them anymore. He's the most beautiful uh, house home builder I've ever seen. Um, Everyone has their own considerations. I would say, if you can get out, I mean, Put aside everything else. Put aside the burning cities, the drugs, all of the stuff. You are paying another 10% roughly of your income to the government of California that we don't pay here in Florida. And yet everything still works here. What does that tell you? It tells you it's a giant grift. Our roads are better here. Our, our schools are better here. A new study came out yesterday. Florida has the number one public schools in the country. Like, you, but, but I get it. Everyone has their own considerations. LW says, how do you think Democrats are gonna cheat in the upcoming elections next year with computer glitches being recently exposed? Look, who the hell knows? Computer glitches, ballot harvesting, everything else. The only way we fix this, Dave, you're gonna talk about Florida? Yes, is you do what Florida is. We we did, we did had a complete uh, evaluation, re-evaluation of our election security. I, if you had missed my interview with uh, Florida Secretary of State Cord Bird, which was about his great name, Cord Bird, uh, from about six months ago, he talks about what they did when he became Secretary of State to ensure that our elections would be clean and clear and you show an ID and paper ballot, and I've talked about it. You, you, there's just, they're checking you all the way through. There's just no sane person in America that is questioning the validity of our elections. That's what we have to export. But it's like, who knows what's gonna happen on election night a year, you know, it's a year, almost a year, no, it's 11 months in, uh, or so from now like, who knows what's gonna happen then? Another pipe has burst in Philly. Another this, that, the other thing. And we'll just do it all over again. And and then over time, the more you do all these weird things, the less people that believe in the system. And when people stop believing in the system, the system kind of stops working. That's Padme Amidala in Attack of the Clones. Uh, Amy says, is there a Christmas movie that you do not like that almost everyone else seems to love? So. I was going through the questions. Normally I don't glance through the questions. We had a few extra minutes this morning. I glanced through the questions and I, and I. there is a, a Christmas movie that I don't love. I just don't love it. I don't find it that funny. I don't find it that amusing and and whatever. And, and I'm getting a lot of crap from Phoenix over here, but I don't think Elf is that great of a movie. I just, I don't care for uh, Will uh, Farrell. Just, I, even, I don't even love Anchorman, it, it's better. Yeah, I just, it's not right. really, it's not. <laughs> Phoenix said we're breaking up. He's handing in his resignation right now. Goodbye. Uh, no, Anchorman's actually pretty decent, but it's like not fully my thing. But but Elf, I just don't love it. But in light of Christmas season and everything else, I thought I could tell you my fe- three favorite Christmas movies by far, Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase. Like that is primo christmas christmas movie i just love merry christmas merry christmas merry christmas kiss my ass kiss his ass happy hanukkah it's just a great great it's like peak chevy chase it's so great that scene right there when he's chopping down the tree after their tree uh breaks through the window and uh what's her name from seinfeld julia louis dreyfus lives now it's just great 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 christmas story which they we basically put that on david's family had a tradition uh of just watching Christmas story over and over and over again. I think back in the day, TNT used to do 24 hours of Christmas story. So we do that every year and put it back up one more time because people are wondering about, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It takes place on Christmas day or is it a Christmas Eve? Uh, there's Christmas decorations. They're at a Christmas party at Nakatomi Tower. It is a Christmas movie and it is a great, 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 great movie. I will try to watch Elf one more time. You know what? We will watch Elf together and see what happens. We will see what happens. Uh, Steve says, having met Elon before, what do you think of him on a personal and human level? Is he a nice guy? Well, I think I talked about it a bit up top, obviously. I mean, what you're seeing out of him up there when he's thoughtful and thinking. And as I said, you, it's almost like you can kind of see his brain is working faster than the stuff is coming out of his mouth. So he stammers a bit when he's talking. That's exactly what you get. The one thing that you're not fully seeing with him that I was really surprised by, especially the first time, is he's funny. Like he's actually funny. Like he's like, he likes talking, you know, he, a couple times he showed me like funny memes that were on his phone or whatever. And he, and he laughs a lot. He's a very hearty, hearty laugh. Um, What I was more impressed with than anything else in the two times that we met is that he was extremely generous of time. The first time that I met him, I got the call, it was like 2 p.m. here, East Coast, and I get the call, can you meet with Elon today? And I was like scrambling, how can I get there? And I ended up, I jumped on a flight. I get there at about 9 p.m. He's in meetings. They were like, all right, you'll probably have to meet him tomorrow, but hang around in the area just in case, because he does take meetings basically all night long. So I'm hanging out in the area by there, and you all know what's going on in San Francisco. It doesn't feel very safe and everything else. But I was with a friend and then I get the call. Okay, he can see you now. It was, it was 1230 AM and he's still taking meetings. Uh, I go into the office and uh, we chat briefly for a second. Oh, you're in Florida now and okay, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, listen, if, if the problems that you're having with your Twitter account are really, really severe, we could deal with this right now. He's like, otherwise I've had a And he was, his eyes were kind of bloodshot. It was clear he was tired. He's like, but if the problems you're having are really, really severe, we'll, we'll take care of this right now. He's like, otherwise would you mind if we took care of this tomorrow? And I was like, think how absolutely insane that is. I'm one random guy on Twitter, okay? Like, here's the world's richest man, basically at 1 a.m. after a long ass day, this is just, you know, basically a couple weeks after he got Twitter, with all of the other things, he's trying to send people to Mars, and he's like, yes, I'll stay awake to, to needle around and fiddle around with your Twitter account to figure out what's going on. They're like, how much more can I say about the guy than that? So, there you go. Uh, guys, let's talk about gravity to fire shoes, then we'll get to the next questions. I wanna tell you about something that's been making my days a whole lot easier. Gravity to fire shoes. These shoes are something else. As you know, I am a fan of comfortable footwear, but these shoes take it to a whole new level. More than just shoes, they're basically clouds for your feet. In a double-blind study by Olive View UCLA Medical Center and published in the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association, participants experienced 85% less knee pain. It's the most powerful shock absorption system ever put into a shoe. Gravity to Fire has patented Verso Shock technology. It's like a midi trampoline in your shoes. Whether you're strolling through the park, running errands, Or even just lounging at home, these shoes have got your back, or I should say your feet. Even better, they're stylish. You get both comfort and style that looks good and feels great. So here's the deal. Gravity Defire is offering a limited, exclusive holiday deal just for you guys. Go to GDEFY.com, GDEFY.com. Use promo code RUBEN30 at checkout to get an extra 30% off your order. That's an amazing 30% off for being here today. It's a holiday thank you gift from Gravity Defire. Why not treat your feet to some well-deserved comfort? That's GDEFY.com, promo code Ruben 30, to give your feet the love they need. And now back to me, Chris says, what's your favorite beef dish, chicken dish, fish dish, and pork dish? All right, beef dish. Well, my favorite, like, especially if we're having people over, there is nothing better than just getting like the big tomahawk. I do it for these guys all the time. Like if if you can get Wagyu, it is not cheap. Um, but just like the big tomahawk, it just looks awesome and you slice it and then everybody can get a little portion that's still left on the bone. But I'll tell you, if you if you don't want to do something that expensive, you can get a nice skirt steak. Get, get a nice, try to get prime cut if you can, which is a little bit more obviously than choice cut, but skirt steak, you cannot screw it up. Skirt steak, it's thin, it's pretty tender usually, little salt and pepper you don't need much more and do like 5 minutes on both sides on the grill at about 400 450 you that's what we had last night you cannot screw it up and it's juicy and tender and good chicken dish oh oh chicken parm david makes an incredible chicken parm you can go to davidscookbook.com to get the uh to get the ingredients and the the recipe on that one it is he makes the most delicious chicken parm megan kelly of the internet said that it is the best chicken parm she's ever had Fish dish. Um, I do a lot of simple salmon. I just throw the salmon in a cast iron, cook it at four hundred for twenty minutes. But fish dish, David, he doesn't do it that often now because with the kids, it's tough. But he'll take a whole branzino, fillet it. You can lightly grill it with some herbs. You get some thyme and some rosemary and a couple other things. Dice it up really nice, and uh, and you just put it on the grill, and it's just a little lemon, mm, just perfect. Pork dish. You know, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge pork guy. I I like bacon, but I'm not, I'm not like, I I don't go out. Connor loves the pork. Connor loves pork tacos. So let's just say pork tacos. Uh, Connor loves the pork. Samantha says, have you ever visited Portugal and would you ever consider organizing an event in Lisbon? Jordan Peterson's show was a huge hit that he came out for a second round. I have never been to Portugal. I absolutely would. Phoenix, can you get us to Portugal? You know, all right, Phoenix. We'll make it happen. We're going to go to Portugal. I would love to go. I think that portion of Jordan's tour was was post our portion. We d- we didn't do much in that part of Europe, but uh, that would be that would be absolutely fantastic. We didn't do it that much all over the world in certain spots. So, uh, Randy says, who was the one person that you would love to be able to interview, living or dead? Well, I'd say preferably living would be better. Um, who, well, I've answered this one a bunch of times. I've really, I just, it's corny, I suppose, at some level. I just want to interview George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars. I think his story, not just because of the, the, why I love the lore of Star Wars and, and the hero's journey, and just, he did cool things. You know, one thing that he likes talking about, I've heard, you know, because people ask him all the things about Star Wars, he gets tired of talking about it. But one very cool thing he did in Star Wars is pre-Star Wars, every future movie that there was, every sci-fi movie, anything that took place in the future, it was all very clean, right? 2001, the future was very clean. It was very white and it was very sort of docile and controlled. But in Star Wars, what you see are the Jawas and the broken down droids. And because even in the future, things will break down. Things will be dirty and gritty and everything. Like, it's just an interesting thing to think about. Uh, But just that he created so much lore that captured my imagination and it captured the imagination possibly of billions of people on planet Earth uh, I just think would be great, and and the other part that I'd love to talk about, he was fighting the studios the entire time. They were cutting his budgets. He ultimately took the the ability to monetize the toys, the action figures, which nobody thought boys would be playing with action figures. It was always girls played with dolls. Nobody really thought that boys would play with dolls. That he, you know, they eventually called them action figures, and then that became in some ways bigger than the movies altogether. But he had the foresight on that. So yeah, uh, Ashley says. How do I deal with my liberal Jewish in-laws this holiday season? The topic of the Israel war has come up a few times and it's so mind-blowing how they can't see the people they vote for have helped facilitate this war. I get so frustrated and I just have to walk away, so how can I effectively communicate with these people? Look, this is tough. Unfortunately, what has happened to so many people, um, regard Jewish, Christian, whatever, atheist, doesn't matter, is that leftism and liberalism has become the belief set. So in this case, and unfortunately this happened to a lot of liberal Jews in the United States. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Some of the reasons are post Holocaust reasons, meaning that people came here and they put assimilation above everything else. So you had to sort of put aside all of the old traditions and old things because oh, people felt, oh my God, look what happened to us in Europe. Let's forget all of that But then the thing is you end up believing in new things. So you end up believing in secular institutions and all of these things. And then when these things start failing you, it's like this real, no pun intended, come to Jesus moment. You either will realize what has happened and maybe should turn back to some of that old stuff, or you end up in this odd thing where you're voting for the very same people who would gladly behead you and everything else. Um, I have a lot more to say on that and we should probably do some other shows on that. But... Um, The best thing you can do is just try to calmly talk to them and explain some of these issues. Um, I know it sucks. We've all got these issues in our families. Trust me, I have them as well. Um, I can say it's been nice over the last couple months, like getting some calls and texts from people where nobody really apologizes for not talking to you for a long time or saying bad things about you or unfollowing you, but they kind of might be like, oh. I shared that thing of you, or maybe you weren't a complete lunatic, or maybe when the New York Times said you were the leader of the alt-right, they weren't correct, you know, that sort of thing. But well, look, the New York Times is an example of that. If you if you put aside all of your old beliefs and then you just believe in liberalism, in secularism, the New York Times became like the new Bible to people. So there's a certain set of people, and if you're talking about your your liberal Jewish family, they probably still subscribe to the New York Times. They probably still watch MSNBC or CNN. They they've been they just replace one set of beliefs for another set of beliefs. And getting people out of that is really really tricky. Um, maybe watch this, you know, watch this show, and over time they might realize that I'm not a complete psychotic lunatic, and maybe that paves the way. But I wish you luck. I wish any everybody luck, regardless of the holidays you're going to be celebrating, the religion or no religion or anything else, like getting together with family and being able to do that, it has gotten very, very tricky. It's one of the most, it might be the most nefarious thing that the woke did because in the old days, everyone could do it. My family was unbelievable. I wrote about it actually in in Doper in This Book that my family was incredibly good about that. Every holiday that my family had, it didn't matter if it was Thanksgiving or Passover or anything, we could do it. We would argue about everything, and I'm the oldest of my generation, so I was always trying to get from the kids' table to the adult table so I could be involved in those conversations, and they would argue, argue everybody, and it was getting heated, and then my mom or my aunt or my grandma would be like, all right, dessert's here, and then everyone would just stop, and that was it, and we were good, and we'd do it again the next night, and that's what we have to get back to. Elizabeth says, what's the best dad joke you've got? Well, you know, the thing about having kids is there's, there's all this pooping and crying and peeing in the house and all, and it's just, it's just endless. And then you bring kids into it. So it's, it's an awful lot there. You see? You didn't have any crickets or i a... um, I'll give you, I'll give you another one. Uh, about, it's, well, this one's about kids, and I don't remember the comedian who used to tell this joke, but there was a comedian when I was doing stand-up way back in the day who used to do this joke. It was something like, uh, you know, I'm at the supermarket, I'm in the uh, the melon section there, the fruit section, and there's this woman hitting her kid. She's just hitting her kid, and we're, we're all looking like, oh my God, this woman's hitting her kid. What, what are we gonna do? You know, it's like, what what do you do? This woman's she's beating her kid, and oh my God, what are you gonna do? Uh, I was gonna do something, but what right do I have to hit this kid? Working hard over here, working hard. Uh, Steve says, Dave, will we ever see a Don't Burn This Food cookbook of your favorite recipes? I'm sure it will be a hit. Yes, we are working on it. It's mostly gonna be David's recipes. We have been trying to do this for a long time. You know, having kids, uh, it distracts you from an awful lot of other things. And he, I'm doing most of the cooking around here, even though he's an incredible chef, because uh, he's, he's doing most of the stuff with the kids. But yes, we are working with that. I've also started, I know a lot of you have asked, um, don't burn this book, don't burn this country. And I think you can probably figure out what the third name will be. It will be a trilogy. I've started sketching out the ideas on that one. So I'm working on that one too, but uh, stay tuned on all of that. We have a post-game show coming up in about 30 seconds at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh My full interview, it's an abbreviated interview, but full interview with Brian Griffin, who's Ron DeSantis' press secretary, is up right now. And the big debate is tonight, the Newsom... Uh, Newsome, even saying his name, you feel, you get that. The Newsome-DeSantis debate is on Fox tonight with Sean Hannity. Obviously, we'll be covering that tomorrow. Post-game show in just a sec, and we leave you with Elon Musk.